the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3 this Thursday, February 25th. I brought him, uh, you you know him from time to time. I brought on my good friend, uh, old friend, longtime friend, Gil Bindleglass, who's a uh, business consultant out in uh, Southern California. We talk politics. Uh, I don't know if we talk as much as, as, as he wants to, but we talk politics fairly regularly. And he always has a different and interesting angle. I wanted to uh, bring him on today to share with you a little bit. Gil, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Hey, Seth. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. You uh, you have lately been referring to your country formerly known as America. Do you want to tell us what you mean by that? Well, I, I just think that the principles of uh, you know liberty and the principles of you know First Amendment and freedom of thought, freedom of speech, whether it's you know on college campuses or whether it's uh, um, you know, with uh, your political one's political opponents, they, they just seem to be concepts that don't uh, no longer apply. You know, where everything is, uh, you know, we're not judged by the content of our character anymore, um, and we're judged by everything but that. So um, it just, you know, when you see the headlines of you know books getting banned on Amazon and. Uh, you know, politicians sending um, letters to the cable companies to uh, try to te- deplatform, you know, the the news channels with with which they disagree, or obviously the big one, you know, where you know Trump gets deplatformed, or you know, you know, a, a lot of um, political commentators are getting deplatformed. So it's just just things that I never thought I'd see. Um, and uh, but but we, you know, we're witnessing it. And now you see reporters trying to help the FBI capture uh, people who have uh, taken pictures of themselves at the January sixth rally. It's a very odd thing. But um, on that, uh, you, you pointed out something. I mentioned it yesterday, and it didn't get. It, it probably needs a little more, a little more coverage. You have you have a coterie of House Democratic represent House members from the Democratic Party who have written letters, written letters to all the major corporations and platforms telling them to take off Fox News, to remove Fox News because Fox News peddles disinformation. And uh, I, I read this yesterday, Gil. Um, Brent Bozell, who, who runs Media Research Center, he said uh, th- this crusade to ban Fox no- News over disinformation um, – is a complete joke. They'd change their crazy tune if they took a look at their beloved CNN. CNN promoted false claims by a South Dakota nurse that her coronavirus patients were so crazy they denied the virus was real 
even as they were dying, a completely fake story. So the left wants to cancel Fox. CNN's Brian Stelter had a psychiatrist on his show to unleash the claim that Trump was responsible for more than a million deaths and worse than Hitler, Stalin, and Mao. So the left wants to cancel Fox News. CNN falsely reported that Representative Ted Lieu grabbed a crowbar during the Capitol riot when he actually grabbed a pro-bar energy bar. So the left wants to cancel Fox News. Michael Avenatti was convicted for extortion and wire fraud, but CNN put him on the air 122 times, even to consider his viability for presidential candidacy. But the left wants to cancel Fox News. Um, CNN reported that Congress was investigating a Russian investment fund with ties to Trump officials, especially Anthony Scaramucci. The report had to be retracted and three CNN employees had to resign in disgrace. But the left wants to cancel Fox News. That's a pretty good summary of the kind of stuff that gets away without the blink of an eye while the left wants to cancel Fox News, right? Well, even um, I think more you know, profoundly, you have um, you had for four years. Hillary Clinton and the media um, denying the legitimacy of, of Trump's pres- presidency and, and the validity of the election. Yes. And yes. now to question the validity of election, you can go to jail. Yes. <laughs> Back That's then right. it was, I mean, it's just the uh, hypocrisy. But but I do think it, uh, hope is not lost. And, I, and when we say it's, a, you know, the country formerly known as America, I do think that it is a great time to live in this country formerly known as America, because I also think that there is a separate revolution that is happening, Seth, that that could be the uh, liberty's answer. And, you know, people thought I was a kook two or three years ago when I would talk to you about Bitcoin, when I talked to you about decentralization and platforms and technology that takes the power out of a centralized platform like Twitter or a centralized uh monetary system run by the Federal Reserve. But I, I do think that we're seeing this revolution when we, you know, every Bitcoin's in the news, but Bitcoin's not the only um, aspect of this technology that, you know, could render um, some of these, uh, some of the um, negative a- aspects of centralization that we're, that we're witnessing, you know, render them obsolete. And um, I, I think that's, where we need to focus, if, you know, if you have something to say and you don't want to get banned, well, you know, the the decentralized version of Twitter is going to disrupt Twitter. Decentralized version of money, Bitcoin, is going to disrupt the dollar, and, and so on and so on. You know, when it comes make, to yeah, make that link a little better for me, or a little uh, a, a little more clear for me, because you were talking about it early and before anyone else, and now I'm beginning to see stories on this. You were saying what. Things like Bitcoin were doing to the financial industry or at least the idea of financial investment could be used or could be extrapolated to be used to save, preserve not only free speech but journalism. If I have that roughly right, fix me where I don't. But go ahead and and put a little more meat on those bones for us. Sure. Well, Bitcoin is based on a technology called blockchain and um, blockchain operates on on a concept of decentralized decentralization there's not a there's not a bitcoin headquarters there's there's not a um, ceo of bitcoin um, bitcoin is the first in in many respects it's the first time that um, you ever had a um, 
The supply of an asset is not dependent on the price of that asset. Why? Because the supply and the algorithm of Bitcoin is, is fixed. You cannot change that. Um, In other words, there's the so much Bitcoin; it's a finite number. We don't know how much gold there is, but the, but 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 well, Bitcoin and, is finite. But let's say the price or the of dollar gold or the dollar. Mil- yeah. When the price of gold goes, if the price of gold were to go to a million dollars, people would figure out how to mine more gold. Right. So the supply would increase. Mm-hmm. If the price of gold went to, uh, um, if the price of Bitcoin goes to a million dollars, or if the price of Bitcoin goes to five dollars, the supply is going to stay the same. That's never happened. Like people, that's a concept very difficult to um, um, to conceive. It, it's something a little bit different, though, than what we were talking about with this is decentralization. Right, right, right. The, the point being is you cannot. Um, Bitcoin is the embodies is the embodiment of, of something that's censorship resistant. Okay. It's borderless. It's permissionless. There is no Bitcoin entity. That will tell anybody that they cannot um, be a part of the Bitcoin network. They can't buy that it, or that they, they can't trade it, like we saw with right. uh, with uh, with the with the GameStop situation. Right. Okay. Correct. So when you extrapolate that technology, that decentralization concept, and you take it, so with Bitcoin, it's money, but the financial system, if you know, a bank can can um, can uh, confiscate or otherwise. Um, remove anybody a bank account for any reason so if you're not of the right political party if you're not of the right um don't have the right group think they can they can you know take your uh close your bank account and they can also a, refuse uh, to give you a bank account if you're you know under refuse a political to, and, and around the globe yeah, right right well, people we we've never had to experience this in the united states but 50 percent of the people around the globe don't have a bank account. They're not included in the financial um, kind of system that we see. But blockchain renders uh, um, is, is a fix to that. All you need is a phone, access to the internet, and you can get Bitcoin. You can get these digital assets, these cryptocurrencies. You know, Twitter can de-platform anybody, as mm-hmm. we've seen, mm-hmm. uh, as can YouTube, as can Google. The decentralized version of Twitter and the decentralized version, when it comes, we're still at the infancy of this technology. But this technology is meant to disintermediate these these parties, these bottlenecks known as banks or known as uh, you know centralized um, companies like uh, or, or the Federal Reserve or, or you know Amazon. You know the when Amazon deplatformed um, uh, Parler, and they said you couldn't even. You know, you can't even have your servers on Amazon servers. Well, there are decentralized um, uh, companies like Filecoin, which decentralize storage, where in the future people can have their websites, have their um, data stored all, you know, across the globe. Hold that thought there. Hold that thought right there. I got to take a quick break here. Hold that thought. We'll be back with more from Gil Bindleglass. We're going out with a little Frank Sinatra who has an interesting anniversary today from 1987. We'll tell you about when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Talking to my buddy Gil Bindleglass. He's a business consultant in Southern California. We're talking about... Uh, ways around uh, ways around the uh, the censorship, deplatforming, and cancel culture uh, that we are um, that we conservatives are, are up against, 
and he was talking about the nexus between what has been done with blockchain technology in the financial industry and how it could be used in the communications and journalistic industries. Uh, Gil, feel free to say anything more you wanted on this if, if you had something else you wanted to say. I know we, yeah. we had to interrupt you going into break. No, no worries, Seth. So um, thanks. Yeah, I, I'm actually associated with a, a project doing just this, and we call it Journalism 2.0, Journalism on the Blockchain. And, um, you know, their motto is, you know, to create um, trustworthy, verifiable, and authenticate. Uh, authenticated news stories, and how are they going to do that? You know, we're we're used to quote unquote fact checkers in today's you know um, media um, media construct, and and it's it's all centralized. But if you can decentralize and curate those stories with um, uh, consensus from people around the globe who have to provide that consensus, as opposed to um, you know, a centralized system like uh, Snopes or Yelp, which can be easily manipulated based on, you know, ideology. So using the decentralization concept of of blockchain, you can maybe create a new construct within media where stories are verifiable, they're authenticated, they're trustworthy. And and, and that's just one example. But, um, you know, like I said, it's at it's in its infancy. This technology. I'd like to say we're at the dial-up phase of um, of blockchain still, and there's a lot of great innovation coming, you know, going on. But um, I think it's the uh, you know the last great hope for uh, people who you know are fans of liberty. Nicely put. I wanted to throw something else at you that you said uh, in a conversation we were having recently because it's it's an interesting thing to put our or try to wrap our minds around you like me are a huge fan of the powerline blog and uh, in fact john hinderocker is is an occasional guest host of mine as well as a regular guest um and 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 the conversation we were having and it, it might be a little um i i i, I it might be a little bit uh, in a sense uh juvenile but in another sense not and it's this how is it that there can be a world in this country that sees things the way the folks at Powerline see them, that sees things the way I see them, that sees things the way you see them as so clear and as so true, and yet an entire other part of our country, the world of our country, that that, that it will never – touch or reach and that can buy into the kind of nonsense that you get from, well, let's say the Biden administration. So Joe Biden today says, for example, today Joe Biden says that when he took office, there was no vaccination happening in America. He says this as a man who had already gotten his second vaccination by the time he became president. He says this as a man who throughout the month of January was watching between 1.5 and 2 million Americans getting vaccinated a day. You know, he just says this and it, 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 maybe it goes back to the previous conversation, but he, he gets a total pass from the press on it, but it's a total lie. People like Powerline will call it out. I'll call it out. But there's an entire part of this country that will never get to it and never even want to get to it. That's even a bigger problem. They don't even want to see that kind of stuff I'm saying or the power line is writing. We were talking about this, and I, I just wanted to hear you out on it a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I think we're just, like as humans, we're so tribal. And there's so much tribalism in our society where, um, you know, there's an echo chamber on, on the left as much as there is on the right or on the right as much as there is on the left. And, um, you know, we like to think ourselves that we, we've stepped outside of that echo chamber and we've stepped above it. And, I mean, the, there's this hypocrisy when, you know, just like the conversation we're talking about earlier with the media, you know, if if the, you know, shoes were on the other foot, we know these same people would be, you know, um, crying to high heaven and, and, and saying all the things that they were saying when, when Trump was president. So I, I just think that there's this, you know, it goes back to just basic primordial tribalism that every, most people stick to their tribe and they will defend it to no end. And, and, you know, I think conservatives do that as much as, you know, on the other side as well. It's just that we happen to be witnessing it now from the other side. But it's it, it's hard to admit when people are wrong, people. and But it, otherwise, it's just hard to explain. I, I have a listener uh, who wrote me earlier on the monologue I delivered uh, in the first hour, Joe. He says um, – Without the media on their side, the left and Democrats would never get away with what they are able to. I believe they would never have the power they do, or would they ever be able to win another election without the media in their corner almost 100 percent of the time. This is the handicap Republicans and conservatives face and our biggest obstacle for reaching power. I think he's right. But it's always been that way. I mean, the media's always been It's that just way, more so it now. Like it's, so, it's just more it so. It seems like it's just so much more intense. Yeah. And... Um, Yet, when you see, I think more often than not, when people switch sides, it's people from the left switching sides to the right. Because at some point, people wake up and they're like, this, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. I'm always fascinated. I was saying this earlier in the show by what it is that converts you. Um, In the 80s, it tended to be a lot of foreign policy issues. A lot of Democrats became Republicans over foreign policy. And my theory is we're going to see converts now. Uh, from people who thought they were good liberals that are being canceled for for treading well, in the wrong the direction, eating. huh? They're starting to eat. Their, they're starting. Yeah, to yeah, eat yeah, their yeah. Own. The college campus kind of stuff, and and the Angela Marsdens of the world. This was the uh, Pineapple Express restaurant tour in Southern California. You know, these restaurant tours, these small business people in in blue states who probably are either apolitical or liberal, and find out. You know what, what? That it turns out, it's the Democratic Party that's trying to put them and their employees out of business. I think those will be the two areas we'll be proselytizing from, without having to do much effort. My guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, when people start facing the impact, yeah. I mean, look, they're going to recall the governor, yeah. you know, yeah. our governor. Yeah. You know, so uh, I think uh, it's starting to have an impact already. Um, the lunacy of some of these positions, certainly, you know, these professors, you know. Um, what the Eric Weinstein and Brett uh-huh. Weinstein, you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, prominent liberals. Prominent look, at, look at the look at the implosion at Smith College. There's another story about it in the New York Times today. I have an inside yeah. source there that told me the New York Times story was the most accurate thing she's seen about Smith College. It got it pretty much exactly right. I'm encouraging yeah. everyone to look at it. Gil, it was really nice checking in with you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Seth. You betcha. On this day, oh, I didn't say it. On this day in 1987, 
Frank Sinatra guest starred on Magnum P.I. Yeah, I think it was his last television appearance on a dramatic, on a drama or sitcom. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5089-60. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rachel Levine um, is the former head of the Department of Health for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And she is the nominee by Joe Biden to be the Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services. She used to be a he. So she is the first or highest, I guess, nominated transgender person for any federal administration. I just wanted to bring you the um, discussion she had with Rand Paul today. Rand Paul is improvingly, increasingly, I should say, proving his weight in gold. This is Rand Paul questioning her. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER. But you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are... Dozens and dozens of people have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. I can't thank, vote for thank, you if you can't. Thank make you a so much, Senator Paul. Senator Levine, thank you for uh, answering the question. I will turn to Senator Baldwin. Yeah, she didn't answer the question. Uh, Rand Paul is a voice of common sense on this. I, I, I guess I, I pointed this out hmm, about three years ago when the front page, front cover of the National Geographic three years ago was um, was it was the issue of children changing their changing their sex, changing their gender. And I said, this is a really interesting, brave new world, and interesting is, 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 is to put it no higher. I, I don't know what businesses I had said then five and six and seven and eight-year-olds have making decisions about these things. They know nothing. I heard a caller into the Prager show yesterday make the point when the host said, as a guest host, the host said, you know, children don't know anything and the caller said, that's not true. They certainly do know things. They know, for example, when they want pizza for dinner. And the host, um, I think, got the point generally, but I would have put it this way, which is that's exactly right. 
a kid knows that it prefers pizza for dinner. It doesn't know that it wants pizza forever. It doesn't know whether it's healthy for him or her. It doesn't know whether there may be underlying conditions or underlying factors as to why it shouldn't, the child shouldn't have pizza for dinner. But it is also a temporary decision based on nothing more than appetite and preference. It's not the same thing as changing permanently your gender. And Brand Paul is right. Three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. We have curricula now addressing them on these issues. And it's not disturbing. It's not outrageous. It's not disgusting. It's the abuse of childhood. It's the abuse of children. Again, I'll say it for the umpteenth time. If we had adults being adults, we wouldn't have children having problems. But almost every problem you find that attaches to our children is resultant from terrible decisions, awful decisions, politically ill-motivated decisions foisted upon them by adults. A society needs its adults. And there are certain forms of surrender adults shall not declare in the presence of children. And there's too much surrender right now. Wow. Breaking news, I guess. Uh, that um, wow! Breaking news that uh, that uh, we're launching airstrikes in Syria. Is Donald Trump the only president not to do that? The only president not to do that? Okay, we'll talk more about that tomorrow as we learn more. The United States military has struck Iranian-backed targets in Syria, according to multiple reports. The move was approved by President Joe Biden. The airstrike comes following numerous recent attacks targeting American forces in Iraq. It didn't take long, did it? Um, I don't know if you saw the... Um, meeting today with Joe Biden and the National Association of Governors. But uh, it was odd. It was just odd. First of all, the National Governors Association, the NGA, is chaired by Andrew Cuomo. So the meeting was all by Zoom with Joe Biden sitting in a room with a desk in front of him, a makeshift desk, watching and convening the meeting over Zoom. And you have Andrew Cuomo, who is, how does Dana Perino put it, taking a lot of incoming, that's her, that's her phrase, who's under investigation by the Department of Justice, who is now being more than credibly accused for sexual harassment, and who has Democrats, Democrats, from the mayor of New York to members of the New York State Assembly calling on him to resign. And he leads this meeting as if nothing, as chairman of the NGA, as if nothing fishy is going on, nothing funny, nothing to see here. Everything is normal. I wonder if Joe Biden, in part, was trying to grant him that respectability. 
that gloss of normalcy, of everything being just fine, raising the flag, holding the flag up, as they call it in politics. But Joe Biden looked totally out of it, looked totally out of it, so much so that his media people, his press shop, ushers, when the meeting is over, ushers all the um, reporters out of the room. His reporters were allowed in the room to cover it. Once they leave the room, the camera's still on, the pool camera. Joe Biden says, so are we going to take questions now? From who? They had cleared the reporters out of the room. The guy is out of it. Out of it. Play what he said yesterday, Bill. We're moving in the right direction, though, despite the mess we inherited from the previous administration, which left us with no real plan to vaccinate all Americans. And every time we administer another 50 million shots, I'm going to use that milestone. No real plan. No real plan. As Hinderocker puts it, Biden absurdly alleged that President Trump had mishandled the COVID epidemic throughout the campaign and therefore had murdered the several hundred thousand Americans who allegedly died from the disease. The theory was that if Trump had done something differently, God knows what, the U.S. would have been the only country on Earth with zero Wuhan deaths. Reporters went along with Biden's fantasy. Since his inauguration, Biden has continued his assault on his predecessor by claiming repeatedly that little was going on with regard to vaccinations until he took office and that the Trump administration had no plan to effectuate vaccinations. This is a damnable lie. The GOP responded, today Biden again falsely claimed that the administration inherited a mess from the previous administration which left us with no real plan to vaccinate all Americans. Let us look at the facts. The Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed developed a vaccine in record-breaking time and was already meeting Biden's goal of 100 million vaccinations administered in 100 days before Biden took office. His own HHS nominee even debunked Joe Biden's claim. Take a look at the trend lines. As production was ramping up, more people were being vaccinated daily. That's to be expected, especially as more people became eligible for vaccination. However, there was no change in the rate of increase after Biden took office. In fact, it decreased. January 20th was Inauguration Day. How many Americans were vaccinated on the Inauguration Day? 1.5 million. 1.5 million. How many were vaccinated yesterday? 1.4 million. Let that sink in. More people were vaccinated on Donald Trump's last day than were vaccinated on Joe Biden's most recent day. Operation Warp Speed was President Trump's last and in some ways greatest gift to the American people, not because COVID is a disease of unprecedented or even unusual virulence, but because shutdowns have devastated the lives of millions of Americans, especially children. The fact that Joe Biden does not have the grace to acknowledge this, but rather continues to baldly defame his predecessor as testimony to low character. There are a number of ways to look at Joe Biden. My verdict is he's too stupid to be humble. How many people, someone asked, didn't get the vaccine or have doubts about it because Kamala Harris told them that she wouldn't take it if it was developed by Donald Trump? Politicizing the virus? Politicizing the virus? 
Joe Biden is the president and is still politicizing the virus. As I say, the worst form of shame is having none. And you see it right here. Do we have to hit a break? I have two more minutes. I have 90 seconds. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm sorry. For some reason, my clock was off. I, I apologize uh, for that. Um, the Syria question, it's an interesting one, and we'll follow up on it in, in the, in the, uh, in, on the show tomorrow. We'll follow up on it because it is, as Brandon Weikert was saying, this weird dream palace of democratic administrations, Assad. I remember when Pelosi went there against Bush's wishes when Bush was president trying to get a deal through Assad. And of course, Barack Obama's red line, which unleashed the entire problem that we now face with the vacuum that allowed ISIS to establish its caliphate there and which, of course, brought about a refugee crisis the likes of which we haven't seen since the end of the Vietnam War. You know what was interesting about the Obama red line to this day? It's not that he threatened it and that Syria crossed it and that Obama did nothing. It's that he threatened it and Syria crossed it knowing that he would do nothing. Who, by the way, did Barack Obama farm out the Syria problem to? Anyone remember? Russia. Well, I had an idea on closing the show until some listener named John here emailed me, and it breaks my heart with just such gratitude. I have to share the email with you all. You know, I've said before, you've heard me say before, friendships are so important and obviously to go through hard times with. You know, you need someone, you need a shoulder, an ear, a mentor even sometimes. It's equally important to share good news with friends. We all are used to calling people when we need their advice for something maybe negative or we want to share some bad news with them or give them bad news. It's important you share good news. It's just as important. John just wrote me, Seth, for the past few years, I've listened to you almost every day on my way home from work. Just wanted to share some good news with you. I got a promotion at work today with a sweet pay increase. I work hard and don't ask for much, never asked for a raise. I was always thankful for the opportunity to earn my pay since I tossed newspapers on my bike when I was a kid. No handouts for me, so I thought. Today I benefited from a superior investing in me because he thought I deserved it. He helped me request a position, title change, and although it was a long process with several meetings and edits, budget cuts, corona, etc., we pushed on and succeeded. I'm thankful for the good ones out there, like my manager and mentor. Listening to shows like yours helps me become a better person, father, husband, mentor, and human being, which I will continue to pass on. Live well and be well. God bless you, John, and congratulations. Congratulations. As um, Abraham Lincoln put it, property is the fruit of labor, which is desirable. It is a positive good in the world. That some should be rich shows that others may become rich and hence becomes just encouragement to enter industry and enterprise. Let not him who is houseless pull down the house of another, but let him labor diligently and build one for himself, thus by example, assuring that his own shall be safe from violence when built. John, may you be an example for others. The example, too, being don't walk out before the miracle. I know how frustrating it can be going through those meetings and waiting and waiting and waiting for the good news. Don't walk out before the miracle. You never know when it's coming. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, class dismissed.